What's up, guys? Welcome back to Table 40. Uh, we're in a new year. It is January of 2021. Thankfully, we're out of 2020. Um, we are going to start with a new kind of segment. Is that how you would say it? New? Um, sure. Uh, okay. So this January, we're going to talk about uh, new beginnings with it being a new year and hopefully um, better things in 2021. But um, so our first guests are Skip and Lindsay Schumacher. And Skip and Lindsay were our teammates in St. Louis and have become very good friends of ours. We had lots of great times together and laughs and, and uh, our close friends of ours, Skip, played in the major leagues for a long time, has now coached and is now, uh, he's been a, a bench coach, but now he's an he's a assistant to the regional manager uh, with the <laughs> no, no, he's, he's got a new title. He's a um, he, I, assistant to the uh, – Sure. Associate manager, I think. Associate manager, yeah. yes. <laughs> San Diego Padres, uh, who they have obviously had a tremendous season. Skip is a up-and-coming – will be a manager in the big league soon. And so um, we are thrilled to have them on. Like I said, close friends, funny, funny people, and great people. So thanks for coming on, guys. Yeah, we can't thanks wait. For having us. <laughs> All right. So just so you know, this new beginnings idea comes from Isaiah forty three nineteen, and it says, "See, I'm doing this new thing," and that's the Lord talking. Now it springs up. Do you perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And I just think when we went through last year, like 2020 as a whole, and obviously there's still going to be a lot. I mean, you guys are in California, so you feel this even more so than us in Oklahoma. It's it's still pretty grimy, right? And and just because the calendar changed dates, it doesn't mean that like all of this is behind us. But I think as believers, there's this hope that God is going to do something new and that there is going to be like rivers in the wasteland, that there's life beyond um, the pain that a lot of us have experienced in 2020. And so that's sort of where we got the idea of doing new beginnings in January. And then we talked about before we hit record, um, we'll do marriage in February. And so um, because it's Valentine's Day. So uh, that's the love month, right? So anyway, um, we love you guys' story. And we think that when we look back on like our life and we look back on, I mean, you guys have been married a long time too and have a lot of kids and your career has been colorful, like played a lot, a lot of years in pro baseball. And then now you're on the other side of it. There's been lots of new beginnings for the scoop, for the Schumachers, for the Schumachers. <laughs> anyway, yeah, we're, really, we're really close. We're yeah. Really we're super close. close. I can't even pronounce your last name. Right. <laughs> Such good friends. Did you have a question? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'm just saying like, let's talk about what we do all the time is like, how did you guys meet? And so let's go there. So that was new, right? Skip and Lindsay meet. Talk about that yeah. first new beginning. Well, I'll tell my version first, and then he can tell his because they're slightly different. Uh, so we uh, graduated high school. We went to two different high schools, probably about like 30 minutes apart from each other. And we went um, with what, six of my girlfriends. I think he was on six of his guy friends. And we want, went on a cruise. And we went to, it was kind of the booze cruise, if you will. It was down to, what was it, Encinitas or Rosarito? Rosarito. Rosarito and Catalina. And as we were boarding the ship, um, we saw his group of people. And so, of course, you know, you catch each other's eye or whatever. And so uh, once we got on the boat, the first couple nights, I didn't realize I've never been on a cruise ship before. I got seasick. And so I was ill for like the first few days and I think Skip was too or something you weren't maybe I threw Corona turn a bottle okay well he, he, he was seasick. yeah he, sure you were he, he had little tummy troubles apparently so I was not around the first couple nights for the cruise and then when I came out of my room it, our groups have already like met up the first few nights and we're already hanging out so Skip and I were kind of like the outsiders and we started talking and then he kind of, you know, just chased me around the boat and finally like, fine, fine, um, I'll talk to you. Yeah, so here's my story. That's fun. It's a good story, though. It's awesome. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we met. Um, it was actually on the dance floor one of the nights. Um, it was like there's a nightclub kind of theme at the end of each night. You kind of you dock in Catalina, Rosarito, whatever it was, and then you have this kind of dinner, and then it's a 
dance club, whatever. Um, so I saw her, we start dancing together, whatever. It was a good and you time. guys have seen my dance yes. moves, so you know, that's what I'm saying. He yeah, for sure chased off. me around the boat. You were holding court for sure. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So yeah. it, was, it was a good night and, you know, she goes to her room, we go to, I go to my room, go to bed, whatever. The next day we're kind of on like laying out. Um, I'm on the second deck. Her group is on the bottom deck by the pool. So we're like overlooking their group. It's awesome. Like, I'm just like, oh, dude, you know, it's blonde. I'm on, like, this is who I need to meet and, you know, continue like this, this cruise together with. Well, the mom gets up, her mom, and who I think is now the mom's girlfriend because they are like all over each other in a bathing suit, bathing suits, and hugging, you know, like playfully, like, messing around wrestling i'm like oh my gosh the girl that i really like it you know it's two moms that's just what it is i'm like this is crazy so they do this congo line and like they're still flirting together well and long story short they end up being it's like the aunt the mom's best friend and the mom and her parents been married 30 years already but the first initial reaction was like I'm going to try to make a, you know, the a girl, you know, maybe my girlfriend, at least on the trip, uh, she has two moms. And that's, that was the first for me because I'm 17 years old at the time. So that's how we met. And then we get back home, we realize that we're like 15 minutes away from each other and um, end up going to UCSB together. Um, and then in 2005, we end up getting married. And so that's kind of our journey. And Lindsay, you played soccer at at USB, right? USB. USB. I played what is it? UCSB. <laughs> I played uh, soccer at Santa Barbara City, and then I transferred into UCSB. Okay, US University. What is it? California, California, California Santa, Santa Barbara. Barbara. UCSB. California, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm, I went to Oklahoma State. <laughs> That's much easier. That's easier. Much easier. Yeah. So you guys were together in college and then, so how, how, how did y'all manage that? Like through, was that pretty easy? Like going to college together and then skip, you get drafted and like, where is um, I would say that we've had probably a pretty interesting journey. So we got together when we were 17 and um, skip was laser focused on baseball, um, trying to get to where he wanted to go. I was just trying to kind of figure out life. And I think, we just had some hiccups, right? Yeah. Oh, I mean, we just had some hiccups with, I think his family making sure that he was focused on what, you know, he's been trying to do for his whole life at that point. And so we hit a lot of roadblocks. I wouldn't say it was super easy. I don't think that um, different colleges really was in our way. I would say that there was a lot of family stuff that yeah, made it my, a little hard. My cousin went to LMU. I went to LMU my freshman year and he ended up getting uh, a girlfriend that was really bad for him. And my parents and, you know, family members kind of saw the same thing or didn't want the same thing to happen to me. And so it kind of derailed his baseball career and he kind of quit playing by the time he was a senior in college. And he was like this super stud pitcher, you know, at the, and now everybody throws 95, but he threw 95 and like 95, 1995. I mean, it was like something, so he was like something special. Um, and so it kind of derailed. So they kind of didn't want to see the same thing happen to me, not knowing that I truly loved this girl. And it wasn't just like a, you know, a high school kind of fling type deal. So it was, it was rocky. And, um, and back and forth, we all tra we transferred, both transferred schools. I went from LMU to UCSB and she transferred a million times, you know, from JUCO <laughs> to JUCO to UCSB, but graduated in four years somehow. I don't know how she did it. Um, and then we, when we finally went to the same school is the year I was drafted in 2001. So we only went to the same school for, for literally like, like a semester. Yeah. Um, we weren't in school the whole time. Yeah. So it was, it was really tough. Um, you know, the family dynamic, um, and then different schools and long distance and, and then now throw in minor league baseball when she's still at UCSB, it was challenging. Yeah. We've been through a lot for sure. Mm, that is hard. What would you, what would you, I that's a real common thing as you guys, I know we've lived in the same lifestyle for a real long time and, and mm -hmm. there is a lot to navigate with families and what kind of advice would you give people that are going through that now, now that you have your own kids and you can kind of understand 
the perspective of a parent and it changes, right? When you have your own kids and you kind of see how they grow and, and you just want to protect them, even though you may not have all of the information, um, you know, what, what would you say to a young couple that's going through the same thing? I, I believe in foundation. So you just, you pray that you give them the right foundation to make the right decisions and um, the right upbringing. They surround themselves with the right friends. We surround ourselves with the right friends. And then you hope you give them the opportunity or the guidance to make the best decision when that comes up. Um, I mean, I had, I had good parents and I made mistakes along the way for sure. When I, early on in my, when I was 15, 16 years old with, with girls and whatever else. Um, but I, I just, I guess at the time I wish they would just have trusted me more and just let me fall on my face if I needed to and let me climb back, back up. Um, so for me, it's just, are we giving our kids the right foundation whether it's faith, faith, family, and, you know, work ethic or whatever it is. And so they can make the right decision. And, you know, because one decision can derail your life. Um, so not just a relationship. So we're trying our best to do that. I'm not sure if that's what we're doing so far as they're playing Fortnite upstairs, but um, so that's, that's what I, I think. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think um, so I was, my mom is a Christian. She, walks with the Lord super closely. My dad's not an atheist, but he's not a huge believer. And so I think the difference of Skip and I moving forward is we have kind of a faith-based parenting style, at least we're trying to, you know? Um, and I think that helps a lot because that gives you hope. And so I'm just praying and hoping that God will bring the right people into my kids' lives. And if they don't, they were brought in there for a reason. And so we can learn something from that. I don't ever fault Skip's parents for doing what they did because now that I'm a parent myself, I'm sure they were just trying to, you know, shelter him from anything and make sure that he would be able to get from A to B as they were assuming his baseball career would. Um, I just think I would be probably just a little more open because again, I think everybody comes, comes into your life for a reason, negative or positive. And so I would just hope that, you know, Presley walks in with a, Guy full of tattoos and a shaved head and a hey, <laughs> I mean that's me. Or basically brings home <laughs> skip that we would be open to anything that she's talking to two people. <laughs> that's why I said it with the shaved head and the tattoos. No, but you know, does that make sense? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, so let's transition a little bit into your playing career, Skip. For you guys, like, what what were some life life changing? I guess. Um, things or people or when you look back at your career and how it shaped who you are as a person what are a couple I guess experiences or maybe some of your favorite memories or moments or people that impacted your life and in, in, in a way um, that affects you how you live today well yeah there's a couple like playing career wise um, I, I, I still believe in this um, in 2000 and let's see in 1997, um, I didn't make even the first cut of area code games. And I'd led Orange County in hitting. And I could not believe that that happened. And so that kind of created this chip on my shoulder that I never had. I grew up in Orange County. I parents that are still married. There's no like carrot that was dangling in front of me that I was like chasing, right? Everything was kind of giving me. I got a car when I was 16. Um, I mean, I live in a 3000 square foot house. I mean, I'm living just fine. And that fi something finally happened to me where it's like, whoa, maybe I'm not as good as I am. I thought I was, or maybe I need to work a little bit harder, whatever it was. And so like all those kids that made the team, like I kept in my room and I could not wait to play them because every time like I would go to the weight room or hit and hit with the donut on whatever it was, I was coming after them. So that kind of started that first chip on my shoulder that I really needed. I didn't realize I needed it because I was doing really good in high school. I was like, oh, this is great. I'm a really good player. Uh, but I needed that kind of edge, kind of FU mindset um, to get me going. And it's funny because we just looked at a school today, and I'll call the guy's name out. Clemente Bonilla is the high school coach that we're thinking about sending our kids to. Well, that guy was the area code kid that <laughs> – played second base that took, you know, would end up taking my spot that I was coming after. 
so that kind of started that kind of um, mindset mentality for me. And so whenever like I got recruited by one school at a high school, like I wasn't this big recruit, so that just started like just started mounting and mounting and mounting. So that was like kind of my early high school into college, just kind of like creating this kind of like mindset for, um, you know, baseball wise. Faith wise, I didn't have it off and on. I didn't have it growing up. People would, you know, come in and out of my life, you know, talk about Jesus. But I didn't really, it was like, okay, yeah, thank you in high school and college. Adam Wainwright was the first guy that didn't force it down my throat. But I met him in 2005 when he was traded in, um, I came over from, uh, from Atlanta. And I mean, Lindsay remembers this. They came over. I was like, hey, I met this really good guy. His name's Adam. I think you know, go on a date together. I mean, it'd be fun on off day. He's like, all right. She's like, yeah, okay, cool. You know, we got nothing. Got two dogs, no kids. Perfect. So they come over and Adam. It was just a dinner in our apartment. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, Yeah, we weren't going anywhere. It was just a dinner at our apartment. And so we literally were probably making like box mac and cheese and a burger, right? Yeah, yeah. And I haven't gone to like a, you know, the Sunday chapel, nothing really. Like I just kind of wasn't, I was in and out of stuff. And this was in AAA. And so he opens, I open the door and he's in a full suit, <laughs> like, like tuxedo, tuxedo vest, the whole deal. And Jenny's in a prom dress. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like this, like I have a sweatshirt and like gym shorts. I'm like, what are you doing? And they, mean, they never was, met. It was an instant. Jenny friendship. never met. Like I yeah. opened up the door. I'm like, this is amazing. It was awesome. <laughs> so by the end of the night though, Adam gave me a Bible and I still have it. And it's same. in, yeah, every, oh, the same. Yeah. yeah. Every answer that you'll ever need to know in life is in here, Adam Wainwright. And so that's on the front page of the Bible. And I, that's the only Bible I've ever read uh, or ever used, like use in my house or on the road or whatever it is. So talking about like my walk is like 100% started day one on that dinner day yeah. with the tuxedo and the prom dress yeah. and the whole deal. Yeah. And so that started this Sunday. Gosh, don't you wish yeah. you had like social media yeah. back then? Yeah. I would have posted that for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. So you have like these certain guys, you know, in your life, friends, high school, college, coaches, whatever. And Matt, you're one of them. I mean, I had this, I was so lucky and Lindsay was so lucky that we had this like network when you came over in 2009. It was like me, you and Adam. It was like every day driving to the field every day, going through Starbucks, pumpkin spice. Like I remember that like it was yesterday, but it was, it impacted me forever. And if I didn't have that little group, I don't know where I would have been. So just super lucky and, you know, talk about some coaches and that kind of thing. Yeah, I've had some really good coaches. Mark DeJean, that was like phenomenal to both of us that really impacted us, um, needed to be punched in the mouth type thing. But as far as like faith and um, kind of how I played and our relationship and people we hung out with, I mean, I could name four or five and really that's it. How about you, Lindsay? Do you feel the same way? Like, where were you, where was your faith um, when when you guys started professional baseball? We, I wasn't. I don't think I was in a really good frame of mind. I think that I thought that I had faith, but I didn't really have it. And so, when we were trying to get pregnant, we had like three miscarriages, and that was really hard. And I think I was in my darkest times during that. And that was right when Skip made it to the big leagues, right? Mm-hmm. So that was super hard. And then I was surrounded by all these people that had it, like um, had just a faith that you kind of, you know, you look at someone and they got something different, but you don't know what it is. I saw that in Jenny. I saw that in you. And so I think just being around that crew of the Cardinals, I think was such a blessing for us because I don't think we would be where we currently are in our faith um, if we didn't at least start there. Do you? Yeah. I mean, if you look at other teams, we're just, we had, it was like, felt like 15 people yeah. a chat. Right? Yeah, like, it was just so special, so different. When you get traded to Cincinnati, there's like three. Yeah. It's just it was just a different group and we're just, you know, God put us in the right spot at the right time and you know, we just kept meeting sp- like sp- a special person after special person after special person in St. Louis with you guys and then you start meeting friends of friends and it's just kind of that's how you kind of grow and that's how it grew it, it grew with us. All right, it's something you said Lindsay reminded me of of y'all's part of y'all's story. And I mean, you guys have two 
really great looking kids right now. I need to see some new pictures, but they're so beautiful. But you guys did struggle to have, um, to get pregnant. And let's just, we've never talked about infertility or any sort of um, hardship in that department yet on the podcast. And so again, like, what would you say advice and encouragement? Cause that's a, that's a grind. That's difficult. It's very, very emotional. Um, so what'd you learn? What'd the Lord teach you in, in those dark days? To be honest, I think since I was in such a dark time, I didn't really realize that like the Lord was standing right next to us the whole time. I think I was so devastated that I couldn't have kids because the only thing I ever wanted to do in life was be a mom. So I kept thinking super selfishly, like, how is this possible? And now it's hard. What Now that you're out of it, it's hard, it's easier to look back and think, you know, maybe those babies are angels up in heaven because they weren't going to survive down here. So maybe like we were only going to probably have two kids anyways. And so after the third miscarriage, I wouldn't have had Brody or Presley. So now I look at it as a blessing and that, you know, when we get to heaven, we're going to have these three little babies waiting for us up there. But, um, I don't know. That was just, that was really hard. I, I don't even know how to explain. I don't think I had faith. So that's, I'm just being honest. I think at that time, I just didn't really even think that the Lord would let me go through something like that if he loved me. So yeah, I was, I was starting my journey. So I was like much more into my faith than I think you were at the time. For sure. But a miscarriage is hard on both of us, but it's, it's nothing like her, right? Like you just try to be there as much as you can and emotionally support her and um, but it's, it's re it's, it's really difficult because you, you think you're doing something wrong. And if you don't have kind of that foundation, uh, a little bit of faith and you start you really start walking now I'm like sprinting, right? Like I had, was walking now I'm, now I'm in a sprint and I'm like, okay, come on, let's go. Like I, I'm, I believe, I promise you. And, um, so, but you start really diving in and then it's funny, you start talking to people about miscarriages. You're like, oh, yeah, I had one. Oh, yeah, I had one. It's like one in four. Had I remember one. in the they hospital, like with our third one, um, I had to, you know, I'm not going to get too graphic, but I had to pass something for it to be fully done. And I remember looking at the nurse in tears going, I just can't believe that this is happening again. And she's like, oh, um, how many have you had? And I said three. And she goes, oh, you're not even there yet. I've seen women that have nine or ten. And that's when I was kind of like, you know what, there's, there's still hope. Like I, we never gave up hope, which makes me realize we had a faith that we didn't know we had at the time, or at least myself. Cause I think I would have given up because I don't think I could have done it a fourth time. Yeah. So yeah, it's hard, but you know, the Lord's there with you, even when you don't think he is, it's just hard to realize that sometimes in your deepest, darkest days, but I'm, that's what I'm hoping we can instill in our kids is the hope of the Lord. And so when you go through stuff like that, you don't have to worry because he's got it. Like his plan is better than our plan, you know? Yeah, that's so. good. That's I, good. I, I'm going to go back to skip some of our drives to the field on a little lighter note. And I'd like you to tell the story about Copper, Copper Babes having uh, taken care of all your speeding tickets. And then one day you got pulled over and he didn't take care of your speeding tickets. Oh my gosh, that's right. You and went to remember jail. You had one call. Yeah, that you was went cool. to jail. That's cool. Um, so yeah, I got pulled over. Oh no, I tell think. tell the story. So St. Louis, like we had a an officer that said he could help us with, you know. Yeah, Fred. Yeah, yeah I know exactly who he is. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just uh, I was yeah. yeah. You tell the yeah. whole story, make sure they get the full story. Yeah, yeah. So we have a we have a security guy, cop guy that's around in big time, always smoozing everybody, you know what's going on, pointing fingers, kissing babies, and um, anything you need, anything you need, always anything you need. And so he's done anything you need to multiple guys, apparently, not to this guy. So I decide uh, anything I need. Well, I, I'm a little late, I'm running a little late. And we were playing the Giants that night. And I have a black Mercedes. I think I'm like rolling, right? Like tinted windows, black in the big leagues show. I'm going to push this a little bit. Fred's got me. And I get pulled over. And I get pulled out of the car. And because I don't have a driver's license on me, um, it's at the stadium actually. Um, I say what my name is, Jared Schumacher is on my ID, it's not Skip, whatever. And uh, because I don't have that license or registration, for some reason, have any of it. 
uh, I get handcuffed and I get handcuffed and my car gets towed and I'm in jail. And I'm like, dude, please, like, can you call Fred? They're like, who is Fred? I don't know who Fred is. I don't know the last name. Fred's Copper last babes. name. Officer Fred. Yeah, Officer Fred. Like, I don't know who this guy is. All I know is this guy's got me. And uh, so um, I get handcuffed, like, tight. Um, finally, they let me out. And who like, was oh. your one phone call? You know how you get the one phone you? call? You? You called you me know. to tell no, her. No, and that's what I'm saying. There's no way. Now he's in trouble. I think it was you. <laughs> you called me because you couldn't get a hold of her. You would answer. That's right. So, yeah. Uh, shocker. She didn't answer. Oh, I'm either. sorry. I just had two kids yeah. that I was trying anyway, to take care of. You're right. Her husband's in jail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we had to tell Tony Skip was going to be a little late to the game. He's no, just... it was Matheny. Oh, Mike. Yeah, it was Matheny. And then something happened to Tyler Green. Uh, he couldn't start that night. And my hand, the way they did it, like it did something to my wrist. So he's like, hey, can you go? I said, no, I'm not available. Look at this thing. I had to get, I was getting rehab from Greg on my wrist because of the handcuffs. Unbelievable. So that's cool. Officer Babes, they're really good. Uh, he really looks after you in St. Louis. Unbelievable, this guy. So good story. Oh, Thanks, Matt, for bringing that up. Yeah. Well, there's yeah. a couple of stories I have that are, that are friendly <laughs> to this podcast. I have to bring those up. Some of them aren't. I can't believe you remember that. Oh yeah, that was one of my it favorite was stories. Yeah, anytime you got in trouble it was my favorite. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, Mike thought it was really cool. Mike, Mo, they're really really pumped about it. So let's talk about retirement and transitioning into coaching, right? So you, <clears throat> when you decided to retire, you, I, I knew that you were close, and then you know you, that that uh, I think you went to spring training and just decided that was enough, right? If I remember correct. Yep. Um, so you, you, I don't think you, you took a couple years. Did you, was it a couple years you were, you were chasing Lindsay around? How yeah. Um, no, no, actually he didn't take much time off. So at here, all. here's what I, I think that the game forgets about you unless your name is like Matt Holiday, Adam Wainwright, right? Guys like me, the utility guys, the game will just forget about you if you're not careful. So they just, it's, it's tough to get back in the game if you're not, if you wait too long. And I knew that I've heard that from many people. Mike Aldredi was one. He's like, if you wait, you know, like you're a utility guy, if you wait, you're not going to get back in. So that always, I always kept that in the back of my head. So the assistant GM asked if I would be a special advisor right away. Um, and I said, listen, I want to be home with the family. You know, it's been a long time. I got to reconnect. He's like, make your own hours, do whatever you want. Who was that with? Uh, AJ Preller, uh, okay. with, uh, San Diego and, okay. and uh, 16 spring training of 16 okay and i said perfect and you know to be honest with you i asked you know Lindsay's like hey listen you're not i'm not your hobby so you gotta figure out something i was like oh that's cool thanks I no i didn't wait. say hobby i no. said i'm not your best friend oh wait. oh perfect yeah <laughs> even better <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah maybe that made it sound worse but you know how in baseball life is so structured right so my biggest fear because when there was either an off day, you know, when you guys are playing or even in the off season, he wakes up every day and he's like, what are we doing today? What are we doing today? Because everything is so structured. And I'm sure Leslie, you can help me with this one that they just look at you like a deer in the headlights. And you're like, it's just called life. And I know that it's hard to do that, but sometimes you just, you wake up and whatever rolls your way, rolls your way. And he didn't deal with that. So when hit that opportunity came like a few weeks later, I'm like, yes. I think that's a great idea. I think you need to. Not your hobby made it easier to take the job. You know, that sounds really harsh <laughs> when he says that. I remember you told, we went to dinner at uh, Javier's in Orange County and you had bought like the truck SUV so you could put your surfboards in the back. You said you started surfing because Lindsay told you that she wasn't your hobby. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. You remember that. I'm not lying. Wow, Matt, yeah. you really remember everything. <laughs> there you, you, go. you got that all stored up. Look, you guys are my favorite. Your story is my favorite. So I remember that. Actually, I, I think that's a good, I think that that's a really fair point, you know? And we've actually talked to people that have retired. I was like, you know, Lindsay Schumacher says that it's very important <laughs> for the <laughs> no, um, story's been passed, around. been passed around. So you're kind of famous for it. In fact, I think a lot of my friends are gonna be like, Oh, Lindsay Schumacher's on the podcast. I hope she gives that marriage advice. Oh god. That's amazing. Yeah. 
but there okay. is some truth to it. I mean, there's there's, really there's total truth to it because these guys, they're not that you guys are robots, but you were programmed a specific way to get to a point in your career, which I fully appreciate. But then when you try to like circle back and to just be quote unquote normal, it's really hard. Yeah, and hard. <laughs> I didn't want him following me around while I was doing like laundry or errands. <laughs> I want to go to Target on my own. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted to hold have the you still have the truck truck SUV truck car. I have a truck. Yep, I have a truck. Yep. But and, what's uh, and you know those those surfboards? Still have a surfboard in the back. It doesn't get used as often because I'm going. You know, but um, she <laughs> she definitely pushes me out. Don't you surf today? Surf good? Oh, that's not true. Yeah. You know, I love you. Okay, so so how what, what tell us talk to us about coaching a little bit and the difference between playing and coaching and and kind of the transition and you know, just kind of the things that you've noticed and, and also how, how do you incorporate, I guess, when you're a player to share the gospel or to, to feel like you're um, on a mission with people or, or you know, feel like you're, you're called to, to um, talk about your faith, what, what's the difference in being a coach and is that tricky at all? Yeah, I mean, I think being accountable is number one. Um, just because you're a coach doesn't mean you can't go to the chapel on Sunday or can't go to Bible studies on Wednesday. You know, you're, you're still a Christian just because you're on the other side of the game. Um, I think what's tricky about like coaching, let me take a step back. The, the, what I learned very at the very beginning beginnings um, very good. was, yeah. Um, is I can't impose my will on, on a player. Right. And that's tricky because I Sometimes, and Matt, you know this, like as a college coach, like it's tough to, I can't want it more than you and I can't impose my will on somebody. I can teach you certain things on the bases or outfield, whatever, but that is tough. As far as faith, it's the same thing for me. And I remember Adam and even yourself, I was never, nobody's ever shoved this stuff down my throat. But to what Lindsay was saying, it's like, there's something about that person that's different. And so that's what I really want to be seen as like without trying to be different. There's like, there's something about that guy. I want to follow him. What is it about him that is different? And, and why is he doing things the way he's doing? Why is he helping and whatever it is. And really a, a coach is, it's a teaching position and that, that's what you are. You signed up to teach the rest of your life and it could be on baseball in life or in faith. And so like you're teaching your life, like everybody that's in that clubhouse for the most part wants to get where you have been, right? World Series champ, 10 years in the major leagues, that type of thing. They want to get to that spot unless you're like Machado or Tatis who are like, they're trying to get to Hall of Fame, right? That's completely different, but that's the 1% like you. Everyone else is, we're trying to survive, right? And we're trying to get to where you've been. So I take like, that's important to me. So everything I do, I remind myself like, okay, I was in their shoes at one point. They've had a young family. We had a young family. Like I know the struggle that's happening. So it's not just the baseball teaching. It could be the faith teaching. It could be any sort of teaching because they're growing up in the game just like you grew up in the game. You just try to set them on the right path. Ooh, that's good. All right, so let's talk a little bit about your role, Lindsay, in this new beginning that you guys have going on. What's it like? I mean, are you heavily involved or are, the, are you tied up with the kids? Like, like, how does that work? I'm pretty much tied up with the kids because, as you know, as, they're, as they get older, their schedules just get yeah. filled. Um, so, I mean, we've gone down to San Diego last year. It was interesting because with COVID, you know, no one could do anything or go anywhere. I would say in the previous years, it was a little bit easier because Brody could have been more involved and Skip would take him down to the field. So we kind of felt more, I would say, in tune with his work yeah. atmosphere. But last year, we were completely checked out just because we had to be. And then we had, I mean, California shut down. So we're constantly traveling to different states just so our kids can play. Um, you know, baseball and soccer. So I, I would say it kind of reminds me very much so like, you know, when the guys were playing, I didn't really travel too much. Like you were a travel warrior. You were ever Matt was, you guys were, which was so cool. I just didn't have that in me. And I still kind of feel like I still don't. I mean, I really haven't been to many games in San Diego. Yeah, it's not real supportive. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, I think that's great because the thing is, is like every marriage has things that like they, everyone does it differently and it, it doesn't, it doesn't, that's what's so beautiful about our marriage and the way we did it and the way y'all did it. It doesn't mean anything. I mean, it's a, it's a negotiation between the two adults and then, yeah, no, yeah, no doubt. And so I think that's, what's really cool is that there's not a perfect way to handle an interesting lifestyle. And so I love it. And so I, I mean, we, we did, I did travel all the time. Remember when I got Adam the 26 jersey for uh, Jenny? 100%. Put Jenny yeah. <laughs> she traveled yeah. more than me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, tell me he still has that. I hope so. <laughs> oh, um, tell us about a little bit about the Nagu um, camps, and, and I know that that's a near and dear to your heart. Just a little bit about that. Um, and, and if people want to get involved, they can. And just talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so again, in, we were not involved in anything uh, growing up. I was never involved in, in church, so giving back. None of that stuff was part of my life growing up. Uh, it was a very normal, my dad went to work five days a week. Uh, my mom was at home. I would come home. My dad came home at 6.30, we'd have dinner, go to bed, and did it all, all over again. Um, there wasn't any on the weekends. It was just sit home, watch football, play sport. I didn't have like that church give back mentality. How can we help other, like none of that really, we had great, had a great family. I am not saying that, but it just wasn't part of my, my, our lives. Um, which is, it's okay. But when we got to St. Louis and you and Adam, um, and there's others obviously that were really involved in children's hospitals. And, um, when I, so I had anxiety bad, like bad, bad, bad when I, when I was uh, playing. And at the time, if you went to see somebody, it was like, like you're mentally weak, right? Like if that guy's seen somebody about anxiety, he's mentally weak. We don't want him. So I kept it hidden forever. And I went to see somebody in LA and I was like, you've never been in my position before. You can't tell me how, how I feel. So anyway, that when I started going to the hospitals and as terrible as it sounds, but as much as they loved seeing me going into hospital with a Cardinal Jersey, it actually, it helped me just as much as it would help them because I, it just put things in, in pers- I hate to put it in perspective, but that really is what it did. And it calmed me down. It's like, okay, what are we talking about? It's a game on the other side of the street here. And these guys are fighting for their lives. And it really started to calm me down when I would go in and visit these kids in St. Louis or wherever we would go. So then I started doing visits with you guys. You guys like took it to another level. We get home and we meet this family. Well, Nick Punto actually introduced us, introduced me um, to in, in, uh, when we were at the Dodgers. Um, and I don't know how you met him, but that's how I met uh, yeah. Oh. And uh, so this little girl in Santa Margarita passed away with from brain cancer at 12 years old. Actually, January 5th is her heaven day when she passed away. And so that St. Louis exper- experience was like hidden home right next door to us. Okay. How do we get involved more? And it's called Jesse Reese is her name. Um, Nigu, like knee, like your knee, N E G U is like her, her saying, never ever give up. And so she would, you can tell the story, but I don't know how you, well, met, she, that's would, how, she was in and out of hospitals doing chemo and stuff. And every time she would leave, she would ask her parents, why do I get to leave? And some of these kids have to stay. And so, um, her parents explained, you know, some people's diagnoses are different. And so she went home and she came downstairs and she had all these stuffed animals and she wanted like paper lunch sacks. And on them, she put um, bringing you joy or joy jars or something to that effect. And she wanted to make sure that everybody in the hospital could at least get a smile on their face if they could not go home. So it's just pretty amazing to see how, again, how God can give you maybe a negative outcome, but she made it positive and her parents are still trying to um, keep her legacy living on by creating these joy jars that go all over these hospitals um, just to give some kids some joy, even if it's for 15 minutes. Um, it's a real, it's really, really cool. Like our kids have gotten involved, which is neat to see. 
the, you know, they fill the joy jars up and it's just, it's fun to watch your kids see that they can have an impact because sometimes people in society make you feel like you have to be old to have an impact, but you can be so young to do something and it just, it can have an imprint forever. Um, yeah, Joy's her middle name. And so Joy Jars is like the bunch of toys they pack up and they give these kids. And so you would visit them, you give them the Joy Jar and they open it up and the smiles on their faces, it's, it's insane. So for that one hour of their life, they can kind of forget what, about what's going on. And so that's when we started, okay, what else can we do and try to use our platform in our area to bring more awareness to this foundation. And so we just started to do certain things and you know, the baseball camp was an easy one there's so many players in this area and we've raised, you know, over $200,000 in the last five years just for a baseball camp. So it's been pretty cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. Really, really neat. All right. So your, your little ones are athletes too. And so talk about that. And it, it's kind of interesting to see your kids doing the same things that you did when you were their age. How are we doing? <laughs> We're just going to follow you guys because yeah, obviously it's going doing pretty there, well. We're gonna try to do here. Yeah. Um, I, I will say Skip is like stalking Jackson. He I love today at dinner, he's like, Brody, Brody, come look at this video. Like, this is the coolest thing. Look at his swing. Look at his swing. I've never seen a swing like this. Yeah, it was good. It just reminds me so much of like, because I remember you bringing the boys down to the stadium and like the progression, the process of like where he was at 12 and 13 years old to like, now he's a grown man and the swing is just like beautiful. And you're throwing to him. It's like, dude, I remember that like 10 years ago, we were doing the same thing. It's just such, it's so cool. So, uh, so just tell me how you do it and, uh, and we'll go from there. Well, <laughs> Jackson's, they're so different. I mean, as you guys probably know, with the two kids, but like, um, uh, even the other night in the cage, like just throwing the, the two different personalities, you know, Jackson's like, how's that look? Does that look okay? And Ethan's like, I'm like, Ethan, that's a strike. That's not a strike. That was a strike. And I'm like, and then I had to sit behind the plate. So I made Leslie go sit behind. And call balls and strikes. And if it was a ball. Or <laughs> anyway, so yeah, no, I, we, we don't, we, we tell everybody like, we don't really know what we're doing. Like they're still alive and, and they seem to be doing okay, but. We what? like them. Yeah, yeah I'm just we saying, like we're, not, we're not great <laughs> parents. I'm not that's saying. good. That's really yeah. good. I'm glad we like them. That's we moment. like our kids. Yeah. I really enjoy their company. I think that's what's fun. And I enjoy watching them play sports. And so I, that's been really a joy for me I, every, at every level, you know. And so even when they were little, playing for the Tigers in St. Louis, you know, or playing for the Tide, I just loved it. And then now that Jackson's getting older and you're going to – those more competitive tournaments and stuff. It's still super it's fun. It's just hard to believe, you know, at some point, like Jackson, like they're have draft lists for like his class already. And I'm just like, how did that happen so fast? Right. I mean, it does. It goes so quickly. Cause I don't feel old, but we yeah. clearly are old. I don't know, Lindsay, are we? I don't think so. I mean, <laughs> okay, we'll just go with that. No, we're not. old. We're no. Not. Yeah. I think, uh, I think that the tough part for me at least was, um, you know, trying to be a dad or am I going to be a, a coach to him? You know, like, so uh, I saw a really good thing on Dayton Moore, um, the GM for the Royals. And he's like, he has a really good son that Arkansas or somewhere. I actually coached him at, at USA baseball, but he finally, cause you, you want to be able to still be friends with him and eat dinner at the same table and, you know, whatever. And, you want it for him because you know they want it, but you also want, I'd rather be dad than coach any day of the week. And so he had a really good clip. He said, would you, do you want me to be dad today or do you want me to be coach today? And nine times out of the 10, it was, I want you to be dad today. But there's that one time, you know, a week or whatever. He's like, I'm not feeling good. I need you to be coach. And so that really rang to me is like, okay, he just wants me, he just wants to spend time with me. Right. He just wants to hit the cage. He wants, he just wants me to throw. He wants me to hit with him sometimes, play catch, throw the football. And at the end of the day, I think that's really what he wants at this age at 12 years old, 13 years old. And yeah, he's trying to get better. Like that's why he's doing it. Right. He's looking away. He's doing, trying to get better. But at the end, it's just like spending time with me. And at the, in the end, I just want to spend time with him. And it, I don't want to leave the batting cage anymore. Like 
him angry at me, you know, for trying there to. There were teach. times so, yeah. where they were both coming in the house like in tears. I'm like, <laughs> what the heck? I thought we were just hitting. Yeah. So I really had a come to Jesus moment. Like, okay, do yeah. I want my son to hate me? And then the answer is no. Have you guys, have you gone through that, Matt? Where you're both no, like. I think it's figuring out their personalities, right? So, and I, and I think the one thing is, is I want to know how bad they want it, right? So if you tell me, like, you know, Jackson says he wants to play in the major leagues, I think it's my job to remind him what it takes. You know what I mean? At times where he doesn't want to go do this or do that, I think there's ways for me to remind him that it's going to take what it, what it takes to play in the major leagues and that the effort and the, the extra things that it takes – and so I think that in, in trying to figure out ways to do that in a loving way and coach him in a loving way. And a lot of it is my tone, like, cause you know, I have to watch my tone with, especially like kind of with Ethan um, and, and just, and, and let him come to me. So Ethan, I have to let come to me and Jackson, I can say, Hey, you know, you're doing this and he, he can fix it pretty quick. And, he, he handles that better than Ethan, who I just throw to. And then he'll say, what am I doing? You know? <laughs> so, I, I think it's just for me, like just trying to learn the kids and like how, how to coach them in a way to where we can still, you know, like it's still father, son. And, but I, I want to be able to help share the knowledge that I've learned, you know, to help them because that's what they want. It'd be different if they didn't really like baseball and, <clears throat> you know, didn't, didn't have aspirations to be great at it. Um, it would be, I think it would be easier, right. To just kind of, you know, do whatever. No but when you know that they want to be really good at it, I've, I want to help them do that. And so I've been trying to juggle personalities and, and how to coach you know, the kids differently. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. It's managing personalities is like, that's a good coach. It's not one way. You know, yeah, and that's, and that's just like, yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah, my daughter's my daughter's different. It's funny because she she thinks she's like the best yeah. USA player. God bless her. She thinks that she is gonna <laughs> be like a USA soccer player. And I I love that about her. She's got this will about her that that Brody, quite frankly, just doesn't. But she so we do these scrimmages on the weekend because again it's California, so we can't play anywhere at any time. So we're doing like these side scrimmages and Again, you look at press and she's on the field and she's telling people where to go and what to do. And she's telling people as like a play's going on and the girl she's supposed to be marking has the ball going towards the goal. But she's going to tell Susie, hey, that's your mark over there. What are you doing? Mind you, Presley's girl's already up the field kicking it in the goal. Yeah, <laughs> and the 11th girl, 11 girls on the team, she's probably terrible. So. No, that's not true. She's I'm, gotten better. Okay. But, but you know. But you know, you would think she's like the dominant, <laughs> yeah. like the one that's just like scoring yeah. everything. Yeah. Anyway, I just love. We her. love her. I she's love her. she's awesome. She's yeah. very cute. She is cute. Yeah, she's a cute girl. Oh, that's amazing. That's Grayson. <laughs> Grayson's pretty confident as well. She's. I know. Cute. I'm so bummed that we don't live closer. Oh, I know. They would be best friends. Oh, they would be best friends. friends. All right, so we probably should wrap it up. I know. Let's end with this question. Okay, let's end ahead. with this question. Right. So, are, we talked about this before we hit record. And this was a fun story. So Jason Romano, um, he's our patient producer and just the most generous, wonderful man. He told me to ask you the story about Dodger Stadium when you're five years old. He loves that story so much. So here we go. Let's hear it. Yeah. So uh, I lived in Redondo Beach when I grew up. Uh, um, I grew up Redondo Beach till I was in eighth grade. Um, and after Dodger games, we would go, my dad and I would go to restaurants or whatever. And at, back then, um, players would go out to eat and at the same kind of restaurants or whatever as fans. It just wasn't that huge of a deal uh, like it is now. There's no social media. There's no cell phone picture or whatever. They just kind of do whatever. So at the, um, we were at the same restaurant and it was kind of a bar kind of uh, area um, where they were at and they were playing pinball, Oral Hershiser and Steve Sachs. And um, Oral, so my dad's like, okay, just wait till they're done in between games, you know, you can go over and, and you, know, you can go say hi and ask for an autograph. Uh, before that, um, I'm going to show you how that is. This is not. Yeah, same. Yeah, same. 
No, not same, but why are you showing him a picture? And I'm just saying, this is what happened. <laughs> this is no, a yeah, 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 that's right. I know, that's right. Tommy the Sorta signs a picture or takes a picture with me and says, to a future Dodger, Tommy the Sorta. So, like, my day's already been made. Then we go to the restaurant, we see um, Steve Sachs and Oral Hershiser. So, I'm like, oh my gosh. So, go over there, Mr. Hershiser, in between pinball games, uh, you know, will you please give me an autograph. He picks me up. I have an Oral Hershiser glove already. He picks me up, holds me, and takes a picture, right? My dad, my dad takes a picture. It's awesome. And I still have it. I'm number, I wore number 55 for a long time because of oral and because of the impact he made on me when I was a kid. And I'll never, ever forget that what he did for me. And he threw out the first pitch to me oral in, in, uh, in LA. It was awesome. Steve Sachs uh, <laughs> decided to go a different route and uh, didn't really have the time for me and decided to tell me to F off. Uh, <laughs> what he didn't realize is I would be a big leaguer one day and I would be on the Dodgers and he would be a coach on the Arizona Diamondbacks. And uh, I would confront him later as Paul Goldschmidt told him that story. And uh, he said he didn't do it and he did. And uh, so anyways, long story short, I remember. Treat the how- kids right. Yeah, I remember this because I know the impact both ways, right? Like, Oral did this to me. I'll wear 55 forever. I tried to at least still do unless someone wants that number. Or it's Steve Sachs who wore, I think, number two or three. I will never wear again, <laughs> ever, because of what he did, you know, in my life. So, in, 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 in fact, there's ESPN radio shows that he's on that I've been asked to do that I've declined. So there you go. Oh, you're not holding grudges or anything. <laughs> no, no, no grudges at all. Nope. Nope. <laughs> what I love about you, Skip, loyalty. Yeah, yeah, yeah loyalty. And uh, I still that forgiving thing. I still got to. We're still working on still that. Working we, on that we one. pray about that yeah, every night. Yeah, that yeah, forgiveness. Yeah, we pray about yeah. that. We all, we all have our issues. Well, maybe that'll be your new beginning. Like maybe <laughs> January. Maybe this time next year, we'll, we'll, you and Steve will be like at dinner or something. We'll be on the podcast with you next time. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> be great that'd be great all right well thanks so much are they are your kids do you guys have hours that you i mean do you have a time limit on Fortnite? have they enjoyed that we've spent so much time with yeah. you you oh, know yeah. yesterday on the couch i looked at skip and i said we are not winning in this parenting game thing um we might need to reevaluate some things yeah i mean my fifth fifth grade daughter is like talking smack to these you know <laughs> Get my Brody's friends on Fortnite. I'm like, what is going on? Here? But then we're like, oh, it's so cute. He's involving her, and they're like, kind of yeah, playing. They're getting along. Yeah. 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 But I think you know, it's just it's Calvin. Man, it is difficult here, right? There's no yeah. practices. There's nothing. So I mean, we worked out outside. We worked out in the garage. We went on a bike ride, and it's like, then what? What do you do? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. They give him a couple hours in Fortnite and call it a day. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. I hear you. All right. But we love you guys. Thanks for having us yeah, on. Thanks for coming on. But yeah, this was fun. Yeah. Next time you get through your list and we're at the bottom of the barrel, call us. Oh, yeah. We'll do it again. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Table 40 with Matt and Leslie Holiday, part of the Sports Spectrum Podcast Network. For more stories on sports intersecting with faith, visit sportspectrum.com.